Welcome to the Harbour City Podcast. We are a church in the East African port city of Durban, South Africa. Get to know us better at harbourcity.co.za or at harbourcitydbn on socials. We hope you enjoy this message. And I joked this morning, Common was like, yo, do you not like me that you gave me that passage to read? And uh, it is a little bit of a difficult passage. It sounds like, as in Common's own words, uh, it sounds like you're just repeating the same thing in about 12 different ways. Um, but I want to talk a bit about grace this morning. And over the last while, we've talked a little bit about fear and courage. Uh, we looked at Psalm 42 and talked a little bit about depression uh, Last week, we talked about peace um, from, from Philippians, and kind of, I think what we're trying to do is try and look at some things to help us through the difficult moments that maybe some of us feel like we're facing, um, particularly easy time. And so, I think one of the things that helps us through difficulty is the understanding of this idea called Grace. Um, so what is grace? This is not that thing that we say before our meal. Did anyone call that grace? We called it at home grace. I don't know why. Uh, in hindsight, as I've thought about grace, I have no idea why that was called grace. Um, but um, so grace is not the prayer that we say before is the probably one of the most defining attributes of Christianity, um, probably the most well-known song over the last 500 years um, is the song by John Newton, Amazing Grace. Uh, probably all of us have, have heard that song, and it's been sung at different times. It's been sung by Christians. It's been sung by non-Christians. People have found that song deeply meaningful, Amazing Grace how sweet the sound saved a rich like me. I once was lost. The song that has resonated with generation after generation over hundreds of years, sung by a slave trader who comes to realize the error of his ways and finds amazing grace. Um, so grace, what is grace? As we look at this passage, we will that's grace. But grace is this idea um, of unmerited or undeserved favor. Unmerited or undeserved favor. It's grace is when someone would find favor um, or, or receive something from someone where they have not deserved it. So for someone to receive grace, it means that they are undeserving of what they are, uh, um, you know, they haven't deserved it. So if someone came to you randomly right now and gave you a gift, and maybe that gift was, was money, um, and you received this envelope of money, and you didn't know who they were, and they just gave it to you, and you were like, what? What is going on? Do I... Uh, if you go to work and at the end of the month, boss pays you, uh, that's not grace. That's 
salary at or um, or you know maybe you're like spectacularly amazing and you do something incredible and afterwards people are so wowed by by that that they come and uh, give you something like at concerts you see people throw things at the the singer um, that's not grace you know you know um, grace is the un warranted, undeserved, unmerited uh, favor that is shown to you. It is something that is given when one is not deserving of it at all. In fact, grace is what some people call the scandal of the gospel. The scandal of Christianity is this idea of grace, that Jesus saves Sinners, a comforting to so many people is also at the same time so scandalous. How can God, the righteous, mighty, glorious, wonderful God, decide that He is going to save sinners, people who have done wrong, people who? Uh, um, uh, how could God do that? It is the scandal of Christianity that God saves sinners. Um, for some of us, we may not think that's a great idea. Uh, for others, grace is a great comfort. It's a great comfort. Um, if, if you think about the story of Jesus on the cross, um, and uh, on the cross, while Jesus is dying on the cross, there's two people next to him. And one of them is a thief that acknowledges their position. One of them is a sinner who doesn't deserve in that moment to show him any favor upon him and offers him peace. It is grace. What have they done to deserve it? Grace is the mind-blowing offensive idea that God welcomes into his kingdom what they have done, he has done. It is God's Deserved, unearned favor that he directs towards his people. In this passage, which a uh, common read that goes round about, round and round and round and round, saying the same thing, you might have noticed one man was said a whole lot of times. Um, to, to have a little bit of an understanding of this, I, I want to give us just a slight brief overview of the narrative of Scripture, and then we'll get to a few points. Um, but what is Paul talking about here? Paul is talking about Genesis 3. He's going back to the garden. He's going back to creation. He's going back to when God created mankind and uh, told Adam and Eve, uh, if you know the story of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, the first, you can enjoy everything in the garden, but just don't eat the fruit of this one tree. Is God's withholding from you, you know, he's holding out, uh, he, you know, the only reason why he doesn't want you to eat that, uh, because then you will become like him, knowing good and evil. And so what happens is uh, probably like all of us, when someone tells us not to do something, what is the first thing that we want to do? We want to do that thing. So, uh, so Adam and Eve, of the garden, and it's true, they begin to know good and evil. The, 
what God said to him is he said, if you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Death enters into the world, into mankind. Sin enters into mankind. Uh, and, and that every single person uh, from Adam and Eve onwards has now been tainted by what theologians call original sin. That every single person now has a bias towards sinfulness. Um, you may have noticed this. I think we like to believe that we all have a bias towards goodness. Um, but you first realize this when you have kids and they're like two. And you're like, look at this little two-year-old, so innocent, so surely going to have a bias towards goodness. Man, they can be naughty. Who taught them to be naughty? No one trained them to, to be naughty. But you, you realize like how often we, our bias is towards rebellion, towards rebellion against God. It is the sinfulness of man that is entrenched in humanity. Uh, it is uh, the result of one man's, as it says here in Romans 5, it is the result of one man's rebellion against God. One person's rebellion against God and every person in the world has, is all of us. Um, but what Paul goes on to say, what the story of Scripture tells us, is that through another man, uh, as uh, the theologians say, they say the new and greater Adam, uh, the, the one person who could not resist the temptation of sin, there came another man. His name was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was born of a virgin, lived the perfect life, uh, where Adam couldn't do it. He lived the perfect life. Uh, as, as we believe the Scriptures teach us, Jesus never, ever sinned. And what Paul says is that through the sin of one man, sin enters the world, but through the righteousness of another man, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, through his sacrifice and his grace, righteousness enters the world through him. Grace comes to his sin, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God because of that. So Jesus reigned, died, and rose again. So Jesus lived the perfect life, so that through one man, life can come through him. Man. The point that Paul is leading up to in Romans, is Paul is leading up to this point. He's wanting to really hammer down this one point, is that we are not deserving of God's favor. That no person is deserving of God's favor. As he gets to in, in Romans 3, uh, verse 23, he says, for all, every single person, because of Adam, every single person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one person is deserving of God's favor. I don't know about you, but entrenched in our societies, entrenched in our kind of mindset, is that we are deserving. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you look at someone or the way that we kind of judge ourselves is we look at one person who we know is worse off than us and we think, yo, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay because that person of kind of believing that we are deserving or 
what's become even more and more popular is like kind of the phrase, like whenever something good happens to you and people are like, you deserve it. Oh, you're going on holiday, you deserve it. Like, I mean, we, we just kind of, we entrenched in our idea is, this, is that we are deserving of good. We're deserving of favor. None of us can believe that we're deserving of anything other than good. Morning and go, I deserve the worst to happen to me today. Uh, probably none of us do that. Um, we, we just don't. That is not what is going through our heads. And, and part of that is because we genuinely believe that we're somewhat good people. We genuinely believe that we're okay, we're, that we're slightly better than our neighbor, or at least we hope we're slightly better than half of our neighbors, because at least then we can say we're in the better half of uh, the world. So we, what does, that we are good enough to receive the opposite. Probably, um, if anything of psychologists that essentially said this, of people from psychiatric units, if they could just convince them that their sins were forgiven. The person is true. What that means is that all of us, while wanting to believe that we're good enough, carries this residual guilt. This residual guilt, this feeling, tension inside of us about things that we've done. I don't know about you, if you're like this, I'm certainly like this, have done things in my own life that are testament to the fact that I'm a fallen creature, that I have to, you know, believe that God has forgiven me for because when I think about them, I think, yo, why did I do that? How could I have done that? I can't believe I'm the kind of person that did that. Probably every single one of us, if we went through the room and we weren't do that now. How exposing would that be? Awkward moment. Every person revealing their darkest sin. Yo, that was funny. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if any of us would like each other anymore if we knew our darkest secrets. Um, I think part of the fact that we're okay with most of each other in the room is because we live with this kind of obliviousness to who we really are the thoughts we really have, the things that we are going, really going through, some of the things that we've really done. Paul is leading us to a point when God's grace. We're not deserving. We're not deserving of God's favor. Have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's Righteous being in the universe, person who has never, ever done any wrong. God, in absolute holiness, in our brokenness, shouldn't allow us in our sinfulness to be part of his kingdom. If justice just had its way, all of us in God's measure of justice would spill is a gospel of Grace. It is a gospel of undeserved favor. That Jesus has brought grace. I, I love that phrase. It's one of my favorite phrases. It's where sin abounds, grace abounds. 
uh, even more. It's of the darkness of humanity, grace is abounding because of the glory of Christ. Of my own soul, grace is abounding because of the work of God shows us favor that we do not deserve. Shows us a grace is the understanding that you don't deserve it. If we think we deserve it, then we live with a measure of like the scales in our lives. You know, if I go to church, it helps this side look well. If I don't go to church, then maybe this side goes, you know, up, you know, like, which one's going to win? Is my righteousness going to win or, or the not? And we live with this sense of scale, uh, of these scales, if we don't embrace the fact that we don't actually deserve God's favor. So we think, well, if I'm really good to my neighbor, okay, yeah, this is great for me. But then I lied to my boss, and, yo, know, that's not looking good right now, you know. And, or, and we can go on and go on. We're like, yo, I was really nice. I helped that person in the shopping center. And then I got really irritated, irritated with my kids. So that's not really great. And, and we're constantly living with these scales of trying to measure where we are if we don't understand this. That first step in truly embracing grace is to embrace the fact that you don't deserve it. To understand that grace is not of the receiver. Grace is a reflection of the person giving grace, not a reflection of the person who is going to receive grace. That grace is the gift of God towards his people. It reflects on who he is, not on who if we always think about the person receiving, then we go back to feeling that we deserve it. Um, I, I love it in Romans 2, it says this. It says it's the kindness of God, or it can be translated the patience of God, that leads us to repentance. It is the fact that God is so kind, so patient, so waiting. Uh, you know, God so wants the good for our lives sometimes, that it is his kindness, it's his patience, it's his him waiting leads us to repentance. It is the reflection of him, of the fact that it's about his kindness, it's about his goodness, it's about his graciousness and not our, our deserving of it. Grace is the reflection of his character, not the reflection of ours, because he is gracious. God gives grace because he is gracious. God loves because he is loving. His grace flows from his character. It does not flow from because of our deserving. Grace comes because God has chosen to save people through Jesus it's his character. It's his beauty. It's, his, uh, it's part of the reason why we give glory to his name, why the glory goes to him, because it is from him, because of him, because of how great and glorious and gracious he is, we receive grace. Spoken to talk on grace as we've been talking about some of these things that I think we need to hopefully 
help us through dark times. Um, and I think that is because we suddenly get into a place where we forget how gracious God is to us. I sometimes think that our anxiety uh, wells up, our, uh, the tension in our life wells up because we live with this residual guilt, forgetting that God loves us not because of us, but because of him we don't us, how to live free because of his work of God and the graciousness of God. That in Jesus, I see how much it costs God to be gracious, but I also see that God is gracious despite myself. Allowing yourself to be loved when you, you know, you're struggling with your own, maybe some of you guys don't do this, but me, struggling with your own insecurities, you're struggling with your, your own tensions of who you are, um, and you've got someone that loves you despite those things. Um, and, and it's learning how to receive that, be okay with that. It's learning how to believe that your spouse loves you despite yourself sometimes. Um, and that is part of the tension of the Christian life, is learning how to live in God's love despite ourselves. It's learning how to receive grace, that God chooses to love us despite ourselves, that God chooses to love us despite all the wrong things that we do, that God chooses to show grace to us despite ourselves. Part of living in grace is being able to accept that. It's being able to accept that. If God can forgive you, surely you are able because of that to forgive yourself and to forgive others. It is living in the reality of grace that helps us live with the reality of the tension that we're not quite the people who we are. We are able to find forgiveness for ourselves because we have found forgiveness first from God. We're able to forgive others because we have first received forgiveness from God. God. We are able to, we have first received grace. Think of the Christian life as a bit like a stream, that we as people, we live within that stream, that we receive love and so we can give love. We often say this, that loved people love people. I don't know if you've heard someone say that, like love people love people. That people who are loved tend to be people who, who receive grace, tend to, it's not always the case, tend to be able to give grace. From that receiving, we are able to give. Because we are loved from God, because we have received grace from God, we can be loving or gracious. Because we have been forgiven from God, we can forgive 
extreme that because of the act of Christ, who has shown us grace, who has shown us mercy, who has shown us love, who has shown us kindness, because of that, we're able to begin to show that helps us to the receiving of God's grace helps us to be out of the last two years. But I think I don't, I've tried to figure this out. I don't think I'm necessarily clever enough to understand it all. But like COVID has made us somewhat grumpy. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know how many people are incredibly happy after these last two years, you know. Uh, maybe some people's happinesses have increased, but some people's haven't. Um, road rage has increased. People's tension has increased. People's patience in the ping line has definitely not increased. Um, you know, like people just tense right now. Um, I've noticed this in in um, uh, in my work uh, is people who never used to complain about anything now will complain about the stupidest things. You know, like. Uh, and where people just complain, they look so grumpy. You used to be able to send something back to a supplier and it would all be okay and everyone was happy. Now it's like incredibly tense. It feels like everyone is on the edge of their seat waiting to snap. Difficult time. It's just felt difficult. We felt more restricted. We felt, um, uh, you know, obviously I think just even just, isn't it good not to have masks? Have you enjoyed that? Um, I'm, I don't think Tabani's ever worn a mask in church, but um, that, that's a different story. It, it, it has been difficult. Uh, at times, it's been tense. Maybe some of our salaries have been cut. It's felt like um, uh, prices of everything going up, the cost of living. Like It's just been a really putting pressure on us. We said last week, how do we find peace? Well, we find peace from putting pressure on us and we want to be ratty and we don't want to show grace and we want to be harsh or, or all the worst stuff is coming out of us. How do we find grace? It comes first from Christ, that we receive grace, though we're not deserving someone. Read one last passage. I'm going to read this from the message, and I'll close. Passing laws against sin, all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers with the aggressive forgiveness called grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace in us with death, and that's the end of it, putting everything together again through the Messiah, life out end. Sin threatens us with death, but God, because of his grace, invites us into life, a life that goes on, on, that end. Can I ask us to stand? I want to pray a difficult time accepting God's forgiveness in our lives. Maybe that's because we secretly believe that we can't receive God's forgiveness because we don't deserve it. But he has given it not because of you, because of him. He has given it because he is good. For from you.
not because we deserve it, but because your goodness overflows. From this morning, who are struggling with just a mountain of guilt, like a world of condemnation, you by your spirit would just impress your grace upon their hearts. As they turn to you and say, would it be true that you would forgive me of my sins? I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would say, it is true, big Jesus. I pray for those who have carried like a mountain for so long, just not being able to release it. Oh Lord, I pray today you would show them grace upon grace, grace upon grace, where they feel like sin has just increased, like it's, it's just been this thing that they just keep finding themselves in. Oh, I pray, as Paul says, that grace would increase strength. We won't just live in our own um, subtle believing that we deserve it, but I pray, Lord, that we would live in your grace, in the understanding that only because of you uh, do we receive any forgiveness or kindness or mercy uh, from your hand. It does not come from us. It comes from you because you, Lord, are so good, so kind, so loving, so true, so gracious. So I pray, Lord, for all of us that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, turn our eyes upon you and receive from your grace. I ask you, Lord, that even as, as John Newton sang, probably every generation of the church over the years has sang in some way or another, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saves a wretch like me. I once was lost. Amazing, amazing grace. Um, just like as Jamie was preaching, and, and I think one of you know, the, the opening lines we spoke about, we have a bias towards rebellion. And I felt like there were these specific parts in my heart where God was in life. There's a moment today to actually just be real with God about these areas of rebellion in our lives. Um, and I think as we spoke about last week, to repent. Um, actually, that we would change our minds and grace. Um, and so the, potentially there's even an opportunity just to, you know, to just speak to somebody and say, you know what, I feel like God is illuminating this area in my life. And I, I need to change. And um, so can I, can I, and then I'll close. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much for your, for your truth and for your grace and for your tenderness and how you meet us where we're at and how you're, you're waiting for us as our Father areas of our lives, which it's your plan and to reconcile to your way. Um, and, and I pray today as we, as we resonate and we ruminate with the idea that you love us and you've gone to such extents to reveal this love to have for us, um, that you would softly put your finger on different parts of our lives and our hearts where rebellion is still festering. Um, and I pray that you would just by your grace allow us to see that and to turn, to change our minds, to, to repent of that, my King. And I thank you for the joy and the freedom that exists um, therefore afterwards. Um, we pray that as um, everyone goes back home and perhaps we enjoy a, a 
a family meal or maybe um, we're by ourselves. I thank you for um, the a continued revelation of who you are, King, and the joy that comes with that. There's going to be some coffee. Um, I will be on duty, um, and I'll make you a good one. So.